You're listening to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B. And this is episode number 208, Why We Find Our Thoughts. Welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. I'm Paula B., YouTuber, certified life and weight loss coach, soon-to-be author, and your best middle-aged fitness friend. Are you ready to talk about the fitness mindset that matters to you? Me too. Let's go. Okay, you know that I had a hard time not just singing that whole intro, right? Episode number 208. Are you kidding me? What? This is so exciting. You guys, if the last episode that you listened to was episode number 100, you have not missed anything. This is me finally taking credit for all the work that I have done in the realm of being a life coach long before I was an actual life coach. And this, I mean, honestly, now that I'm saying this out loud, this is something that is at some point going to be an entire podcast episode about taking credit where you need to, because we very, very often don't take credit for all of our accomplishments. This is something that your brain does very naturally. Just um, here's a little podcast episode within an episode. Here you go. (laughs) This is something that your brain does naturally. Your upper brain literally evolved to look for and solve problems. It does not look for and, you know, not solve your accomplishments. It just doesn't. Looking for your accomplishments, taking credit for them, it's not unnatural, but it doesn't come naturally to us the way that looking for a problem comes to us. It is a learned skill, and frankly, it is one that I wholeheartedly suggest that you do learn because when you can take credit for like your small accomplishments, it helps you learn how to take credit for your big accomplishments. The fact is, if you have a goal, any kind of a goal in your life, you're gonna wanna actually take credit for that when you get it. Otherwise, you're gonna get there and it's gonna feel like, oh, just another day, no big deal. And it'll all feel like it was for naught. And it was not for naught, it was for you getting your goal. Okay, so anyway, hi, episode 208. This is why we're here. <laughs> I love it when I love it when I just, you know, kind of ramble right at the get-go because that's what happens sometimes. And I'll tell you that one of the reasons I'm rambling, I'm a little nervous about this one for no good reason. I know what I want to talk to you about, but I also know how I want to talk to you about it in a really specific way that I don't always, like sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll turn on the recorder and start talking and we'll just see what comes out of my mouth. But today I already know that I want to say certain things in a certain way. Like there's a very particular kind of language that I want to be using. And when I, when I put parameters on it like that, I tend to, my brain offers me something along the lines of, well, you're just going to mess that up. And I might. Let's see. Let's just see what happens. (laughs) You guys, today is, I'm going to call today a foundational episode. This is one of the ones that I think really sets the stage for all of the like specific episodes about, you know, a specific thought that you're thinking like, I'm not losing weight or I can't sleep or, or things like that. This is one of the episodes that kind of takes a big picture look at, well, at why we find our thoughts, at why we do mind management, why we do this work at all. 
And the reason I really wanted to talk to you about this is because I know that I know that sometimes it can feel kind of well, frankly, it feels hard. It feels like it's difficult to do, and therefore it's really nice to know why you're doing it. When you are in the thick of really specifically kind of the beginning stages of mindset work, like I remember so vividly when I first started this stuff. I was just <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cracking myself up. I was just going to say I cried all the time. I actually still cry all the time. <laughs> so I don't know why that would be different. <laughs> but I cried all the time because it felt so hard <laughs> as opposed to crying all the time because I'm feeling my feelings and allowing myself to simply be who I am. <laughs> That's really funny. In any event, when I first started doing mindset work, I found it so difficult to wrap my brain around what I was doing and why. I knew I wanted to feel better and I do think that that's probably why most of you have come to mindset work. I have given you this kind of this promise like, oh, of course you're going to feel better when you find your thoughts. It can help you get your goals and be productive and be amazing in the world. And and that is why, but it's not it's not what I'm going to call like the deeper reason why that that I feel might be really important to you. It's important to me, and it's funny because I didn't know it was important to me until I started doing a lot deeper thinking about this. And then when I when I kind of had this realization, it was like, "Oh, this is why it feels so right. This is why it feels so good. This is why I keep going with it." So you guys, we have not had an entire episode where I have talked about being the observer of your thoughts. And so I'm going to cover this kind of briefly now, but noting to myself, as I often do, that there probably needs to be more of this conversation. Like this really could be an entire episode all by itself, another kind of foundational episode. We've touched on it before in in other episodes. I mean, other foundational episodes like episode number 89. I actually looked these up. The other ones that I have on the the front of my YouTube channel, which may or may not be where you actually listen to the Fitness Matters podcast. I mean, obviously you can find it anywhere. And by the way, thank you for leaving ratings and reviews wherever you listen. But when you go to my YouTube channel, there's actually a section right at the top of the page that says, you know, if you're new to the Fitness Matters podcast, start here. So episode 89, Mind Management, kind of gives an overview of like how this stuff all works. Episode number 84, What is a Thought? One of my absolute favorites. One of the least listened to episodes of all. And it's one of my absolute favorites. It's super funny to me because it doesn't sound very exciting, but I I really, I loved recording that one. And I think it's a really important foundational concept for you. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, go on over there. Um, episode number 32, one of my hands down favorites, what, or how to change. And then of course, of course, episode nine, which is facts versus opinions. Those four. And I think this one really make up the core of what we do and how we do it. And this one really specifically why we do it. But one of the things that we do is we observe 
our thoughts. And the way that I generally tell you to observe your thoughts is by writing them down. It's hands down the easiest way to see, literally see what you are thinking is to like ask yourself a question, sit down with a piece of paper and just write out all of the answers that come up like without, without censoring yourself, without trying to think about what you are thinking, simply write down everything that pops into your head. And you'll notice as you're doing this, I notice as I'm doing this, and there's a whole episode about this. I don't remember what number because I didn't look this up. I didn't think that I was going to talk to you about this, Um, but there's a whole episode about how I journal uh, successfully or something, something about that. I think it's how I journal for success, but that talks about the exact process that I have for asking myself a question, which is something along the lines of what do I think about such and such. And then, and then simply writing out every single thing that pops into my head without thinking about it. And I will tell you that every single time I do this, which is not every day, but most days of the week, every single time something comes out of my pen that I had no idea was in my head. Something comes out on the page that I did not hear in my brain. That's why it's so effective, so effective to journal. We don't always hear what we're thinking. And when you do finally hear it, you are observing what you are thinking. Now, again, writing it down on paper makes it really easy to actually see what you are thinking. You can also do this in your own head. And I looked this up really recently because I was thinking, well, because I wanted to, I wanted to make the claim that humans are the only ones that have self-awareness like this, that have the ability to think about their thoughts. And I kind of knew that's why I looked it up. I kind of knew that that probably wasn't true. Of course, it's difficult to to interact and understand other animals because they don't speak our language. But apparently there is some evidence that there are some other animals that seem to have the kind of self-awareness that we do, meaning that they seem to be able to recognize themselves as a self, really specifically dolphins. And there's at least one kind of, I think, monkey Maybe it was chimpanzees. Maybe it was something else. I didn't write it down and I don't remember. And I'm, I've got a, I've got a sleeping cat on my lap right now. So I'm not going to look it up right this second (laughs) because I'm just sitting really still, which is hard for me. But anyway, there, there could be other animals that are capable of thinking about their thoughts the way that we can think about our thoughts. It does require language, which does narrow the field quite a bit, but also it requires a sense of self to be able to do that. And that's kind of the direction that I'm going in today about our sense of self and why we would want to find our thoughts. So the observer, and this is actually, it's a a well-known like psychological principle. And I would say that maybe most of the time it is called the observer or the watcher. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's like pop psychology or actual psychologist scientists who use that phrase. I've heard it from lots of different places. So I'm going to call that a, not universal, but a well-known name for what we would call that part of our brain. 
And it's not, okay, let me also clarify. Let me clarify a couple of things. Number one, not a brain scientist, not a psychologist, scientist, psychiatrist, any sort of a doctor, any sort of a, anybody who has extra special knowledge about this sort of stuff. I'm very fascinated by the brain, but I don't purport to be any kind of brain scientist at all. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When I'm talking about parts of your brain, it's not necessarily a physical part of your brain. The way that I understand the brain, my very rudimentary layperson's understanding, is that your brain works together in a way that, yes, we can identify certain parts that seem to do certain things, but then because your brain is so complex and our behaviors and our life and our environment is so complex, that even even very specific tasks or specific kinds of thoughts can come from lots of different areas of the brain all at the same time. Brain scientists know a lot about our brain, but we absolutely positively hands down do not know everything, not by a long shot, like at all. Anyway, so when I'm talking about parts of brain, sometimes I might be referring to like a couple of different ways that I would talk about it. Like, for example, I frequently talk about like the lizard brain, the brain that is more instinctual and is the the part where we have like our subconscious kind of thoughts where it's not even necessarily thinking in language. It really is thinking so quickly and reacting so quickly with things that feel more instinctual. And then we have what I call the upper brain, which is the Uh, the part of the brain that evolved as we became human beings that is far more logical is the, the house of things like language and, you know, reasoning and all of those kinds of things that, that would seem to be sort of the, the observer or the watcher. But here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna float out there for you today. When I talk about like the observer or the watcher, it is the part of your brain that is capable of thinking about your thoughts. And then you also have the thinking brain that could encompass really both parts of your brain, both the logical part and the the more lizard or the older part of your brain. And this is what I'm going to float out there to you today. First of all, let me tell you before I start floating my thoughts on this. Like always, I really want you to take away from this podcast whatever you want to take away from this podcast. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not saying this is the thing. I'm saying this is something that I have thought about for myself, and it's a way that makes sense to me, and therefore, I'm going to explain it to you. And if it feels like it makes sense to you, it feels right to you, then take that with you. If everything that I say today sounds like a bunch of hooey, go ahead and think that too. It's completely okay with me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm never offended by, that's not entirely true, but I'm never offended for very long. I will feel the offense, feel it all the way through and let it go. But I also, I understand that what I am telling you is my opinion and you are welcome to have an opinion about my opinion because that is your right as an adult with agency in this world. Thank goodness for it. You have complete authority over what you believe and what you don't believe. And that is what we talk about all the time here. Okay. So anyways, when I think 
about the observer or the watcher of the brain. I personally feel like that part of us comes from someplace else. That yes, of course, it is a part of our, you know, our physical body, our ability to think about our thoughts. But I feel like the observer, the ability to think about your thoughts comes from And here's where I want to be really careful about the language that I use. And I want to just super, I'm going to digress yet again, but I promise I'm getting to it. I'm going to use several different phrases for the specific reason of being incredibly respectful for you and your belief system. I don't want to tell you this is something with this particular word or this particular language because this is the right way to think about it. I have a deep abiding respect for what you already believe. And if the words I use don't resonate with you, I know that you can find the word that does. And therefore, I'm going to use several different words that are not the exact same thing, but that might have meaning for you. Here's what I'm saying. I think the observer part of our brain is something that you might refer to as our soul or our essence or our higher self. Something that is beyond just us, that is connected to, again, please use whatever word resonates with you, either God or the universe or source or whatever, whatever encompasses your personal beliefs. I truly feel that when we are using that part of our brain, that it's not just us in a self-contained bubble in the way that our thinking brain is absolutely self-contained. It is, it is a hundred percent within this container that we have as a human body. And because the thinking brain is very, very much a part of our human body, that's why it behaves the way it does. This is part of why I like thinking about the observer or the watcher of our brain as being part of something bigger, part of something higher and more than ourselves, because it makes it so clear what the thinking brain is. The thinking brain is so human, (laughs) like just so absolutely flawed and miraculous and interesting and wild and capable, but also not not part of that bigger scheme of things in, in the nicest way possible. Your thinking brain is so human. It wants desperately to be efficient, which means that it's therefore very repetitive, very automatic, very, I'm going to say uncaring about what it thinks. It's simply trying to do its job. It always seeks pleasure. It always avoids pain. It always responds to external stimuli in like a really specific, measurable, 
behavioral way. The part of our brain that does all the thinking that we mostly hear, all that chatter that we hear, it's just really, really human. It's really in it. It's really in the thick of all of the nonsense of that guy is wrong and I hate it when it rains and I'm having a really rough day and what if everything goes wrong? And that, that part of your brain is all about human, humanity. It's all about humanness. It's all about the human part of our life. The thinking watcher, or excuse me, the watcher and observer part of your brain is all about the bigger picture. It's all about being able to see the forest and the trees, being able to take a big step back, being able to be so compassionate for your humanity for your inability to think logically all the time. It takes such a compassionate view of all of those thoughts, all of that nonsense in your head, all of that junk that frankly holds us back from being our higher self, our essence, our soul. Now, here's the thing. I do truly feel that being human is the point. Like we are here to have a human experience for sure. However, the fact that we also have this piece of us that is not, I'm not going to say not human. It is human, but that is bigger than human. That is part of something else, extra human, in my opinion, think that that part of us is the place where we set goals from. It's the place where we come from love, where we come from compassion and caring, where we come from a bigger picture. I think that part of us, as we use it more and more and more, as we develop the skill of tapping into that part of us, It helps us see our humanity for what it is. It's illogical. It's ridiculous. It's funny. It's fun. It's, I was going to say meaningless. It's not meaningless, but it's also not as meaningful as our human brain would have us think. When you use that observer and the watcher and tap into that deeper or higher part of you, it really helps you see what your thoughts are. They're just thoughts. They're thoughts that are doing their job. The brain's job of thinking repetitively, automatically, based on things that we've seen before, things that we've observed before, behaviors that we've done before. Your thinking brain isn't really doing a lot of thinking. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's got all the chatter. It's got all the automaticity, but it's not really thinking about itself in the way that you have the capacity to do. And the thing is, you 
missing that that deeper self or the higher self, which I think is so funny. I'm, I'm using these words and I'm like, isn't that interesting that both of those things, I mean, they go in different directions, but both of those things are kind of saying the same thing about getting outside of yourself, either digging way in or floating way up. Whichever way you want to think about using that part of your brain, the more you use that part of your brain, the more you become a higher self, the more you become your soul or your essence. And the reason I wanted to parse this out for you is because sometimes when we have really difficult thoughts, and you can you can use that however you want to either like maybe really sad thoughts or really angry thoughts or really dark thoughts, which we all have, by the way, just throwing that out there. But also if it feels like more than you or your observer or watcher can handle, this is of course the part of the podcast where I'm going to suggest that you get one-on-one help with that. But here's what I'm saying, that when we all have those kinds of thoughts, we can feel like that's who we are. Like I am depressed. I am anxious. I am unhappy. And we've talked before about how those are the two most powerful words in the entire world. I am is what you are creating for yourself. When you can be in the watcher, observer, soul, essence, higher part of your brain, what you will come to know is that you are. That all the other ways you might finish that sentence are your thinking brain. Your thinking brain's automatic thoughts based on experiences, based on stuff it's seen, based on being efficient and repetitive. That's all. Those thoughts are not you. You are your essence, your soul, your higher being. You are the observer of this life of these thoughts. You are pure love, pure worthiness, pure, just pure. All your thoughts are just thoughts. They're rattling around in your head. They're part of your human experience. They're part of being here on earth in this package that we are, but your thoughts are not you. When you really feel that deep in that part of you, (laughs) that you feel these things, that you observe your thoughts, it really, absolutely, 100% changes your thoughts and it changes how you even think about your thoughts. 
This is actually a well-known principle. It's called the observer principle. Usually they'll talk about it in physics. I feel like we've talked about it several times, if not here on this podcast. I, I feel really certain that I have made this reference before to the observer principle about how the actual, the, just the nature of being observed changes the thing that is being observed. They talk about it in physics a lot. It's a, it's a scientific principle in a lot of different ways, but psychologically speaking and within your own brain speaking, this is why I tell you to find your thoughts, to observe your thoughts. The act of observing them, the act of tapping into your higher self, your essence, your soul, and seeing way down below you, this humanity that you are, this package of meat with electricity running through you, it changes how much power those thoughts have over you in a good way. Yes, they still drive your feelings. Yes, they still drive your actions. Yes, you still get results from using your human thinking brain, but you will understand that it's not you and your thoughts. The thing that's coming to me, like the, the visual image that's coming to me is that they'll just kind of calm down. They just, rather than being scattered and pinging, like I'm trying to remember what experiment it was. I vividly remember doing this experiment in chemistry, which was one of my least favorite subjects. I tell you what, I love biology, but chemistry was really tough for me. I had to work very hard in that class, but my probably what junior year of high school, I took a chemistry class and I remember talking about some, I mean, really, I think it's all molecules move faster when they are heated up. Why am I talking about chemistry, you guys? This is worse than me talking about math. But anyway, those of you who understand chemistry, I'm sure you can explain this better than me. But I remember observing something really specific. I mean, it was probably just as simple as water, how water boils when it's hot, and then as it cools, it calms down. This is kind of how I think about my thinking brain. When I can come up into the upper deck of being the observer, the watcher, soul, the essence, the higher being. When I can come up there, it's like all my thoughts stop boiling. They're still there. They're still me. They're part of me, part of my human experience, but they're not the essence of me. I, me, myself, (laughs) am beyond that. I'm bigger than that. I'm part of something greater. Whatever, whatever that is to you. Again, let me, let me wrap this up by reminding you to take what, what you want out of this conversation. Use the language that is most powerful for you personally, whether it's a word that I said or a word that I didn't say If this feels right to you, use your language for you. I mean, this is something we talk about 
all the time on this podcast, really specifically. I do have an entire episode called Goal Language where I talk about how, how important it is to use the right words for yourself to feel the way you want to feel. When you think about this concept, use a word that feels empowering, that feels amazing. Because as you know, when you feel good, you do good things, you get good results. My friends, like always, I hope this was helpful. I hope that this, I hope that this gave you a bigger perspective and I hope that it helps you find your thoughts to get where you want to go. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. If you're getting a lot out of the Fitness Matters podcast and you're ready to take it to the next level, you're going to love the Get Your Goal Coaching and Accountability Group. We take all the theory and knowledge here on the podcast and actually apply it in real life on your real weight loss and fitness goals. It's hands-on, it's fun, and it works. Find out more at paulabfitness.com slash get dash your dash goal. And let's get your goal.